we'll be in the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, we're looking at 14 verses of Scripture in the beginning of that, where Paul gives us some pretty insightful truths. And the title of the message was that I listed this week is thankful for God's blessings. And I will just be honest with you, the way this message come about and my studies this week, I woke up uh, Wednesday morning, I went down and sat on my computer, and I, I did the whole introduction before I ever got to the, to the message. And then when I read the scripture, I'm like, how in the world does that relate to the message? You ever have that problem? Y'all don't have that problem, do you? But then as the more I studied it, the more I said, you know, God, this is the way it's going to work out. But God led me into this passage this week, and I want to share some things with you. I want to share some things that are pertinent in life, some pertinent things that we deal with every day, and then some things to how we're going to relate to what Paul's going to tell us and what God's Word's going to show us, because God blesses us. He really richly blesses us on a daily basis, and we want to understand that, and we want to make sure we, we deal with that. So let's just look at some things together this morning. Ephesians 1, there's a saying that I've heard all my life that was, it's not whether or not you win or lose, but how you play that makes this, or how, it's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game that makes the difference. You ever heard that? It's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game that makes the difference. Let me tell you something, and I was going to call on Daniel a little bit to get him to help me out with some of these, these things we're going to talk about this morning, but that phrase has a lot to do to help people smooth out the outcome of the game, the outcome of what just takes place, and most of the time, it has to do with the ones that have lost the game, amen? And that's what it is. Now, you think about this time of the year. Let's look at this, look at all the sporting and competitive events that are taking place this time of the year, this particular weekend, for instance, all the, the different competitions, all the different things that have taken place, all the way people are working, and all that is, has to do with winning and losing. That's the end product of all competitive sports, winning and losing. And it's not just how you play the game, but there's all kinds of issues that take place with winning and losing. It doesn't matter whether it's baseball, football, soccer, fishing or checkers it's all about winning and losing that makes the end result same we say things like this let's look at this we say things like make sure you focus on the game Isn't that right make sure you don't deviate from the game plan make sure you focus on the game make sure you do your best that's all that really matters make sure you do exactly what's the best in your life make sure you play by the rules you ever heard that one Make sure you don't deviate from the rules. Play within the boundaries of the rules. Make sure you don't do anything that, that causes a, a disruption in the game. Make sure you don't do anything that's dis deceptive or dis disrespectful to the game. Make sure you follow the game plan. Y'all know where I'm going with this? There's a big game that we're dealing with, and it's called the game of life. And, and while each of us, these statements, has a lot of value and truth, the simple fact that any person has with any kind of competitive spirit, and I know this with my own family, if you have competitive spirit with inside of you, what is it you want to have happen? You want to what? You want to win. Is that right? Am I just the only one? Huh? You, I, all right, let me just tell you, sitting in front of the TV yesterday, let me ask you this. If you don't want to win, why are you yelling at the TV? Hmm? Why does Patty check me when I said they didn't do exactly what I told them to do? All right? Life has many similarities to the game, even though it's not a game. Life is not a competitive sport between people. Even though there's competition that takes place, even though there is a competition that's taking place, but it has to do with Satan, it's not a competitive sport between people. There's competition. Life has been referred to as a marathon and not a sprint. 
There's because there's a need for endurance. There's a need to, to be further carrying on. There's a need for endurance. And it's extremely important how we play the game. It's just as important how we finish the game. I mean, it's important how we act, how we talk, and how we play the game of life. But it's very important how we finish the game. We need to do our best to play by the rules that God has outlined in the Bible. Because he's given us some rules. He's given us some guidelines. He's given us some direction. He showed us how to walk through and navigate through the game of life. Because it's very important. We want to play by the rules. There's a significant uh, significance to the outcome of winning the game of life. And deep down inside of our being, we should all have a desire to win in the end. We, have, we should have a desire. I just want to uh, watch the game. That's some, some people say, well, I, I, just, I just enjoy watching it. I just enjoy watching the game. I just enjoy watching what takes place. I want to see, you know, see how I make sure they do well. But again, that's one of them things that I know better than that. I mean, you want to win deep down. Let's look at some scripture. The Apostle Paul reveals how we can be successful and win by understanding the rich blessings that God has given us. And we're going to focus on some rich blessings this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And we'll start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 1. And Apostle Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Jesus Christ at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. Listen up. Now, let me tell you something. I know it's hard to take notes when you're standing up, but I want you to go back, and we're going to look at this in just a second. But I want you to think about some things as we're working through it, and I'll reflect back on those in just a second. Verse 3, blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he proposed in Christ as a plan for us right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we have predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who are already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him you also were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. And God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. And Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So some people write in their Bible, some people write in the margin, some people underline, some people highlight. 
But there's some points to these verses of Scripture. And there's actually five points. And I know every good sermon has three or four points, right? This one's going to have five because we're going to open up what Paul is talking about. Because there's actually more than that in there. There's more truths in that passage. But we're going to focus on five points this morning of what Paul is talking about. God wants us to be victorious in life. He wants us to win in the game of life, even though it's not a game. And I've tried to explain to you what I meant by that. But he wants us to be victorious because he was victorious. He wants us to be unified with him. He wants us to be victorious in life. He wants us to receive the rewards that come with being victorious. He wants us to receive the benefits that go along with being a child of God, with being a born-again Christian. It is important to understand that because of the rich blessings that God has given us, he has provided us with every possible ability that we need to be victorious. He's given us every single thing we need to be victorious. All we have to do is apply it to our lives. And let's look at these things together. Paul begins his writings in the book of Ephesians with the focus on God, what God has done for each of us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what this focus is on. There's going to be some, some different ones. As we study the passage together, Jason, go ahead and put that, those five points up for me. As we study the passage of Scripture, I want us to focus on five specific blessings that God has given us. You can write these down if you want to, but I really want you to go back and look at the verses of Scripture. And as you read the verses, I want you to underline, write these five down. But then when you go back and study that passage again, again I want you to underline where you see where God is doing each of these blessings for us because he does more than that throughout. But these are the ones we're going to focus on. He chose us. That's an important one to think about. We're going to look at that one first. He chose us. He predestined us. He redeemed us. He revealed his will to us and he sealed us. We want to look at each one of those individually, okay? So we're going, to, we're going to give you just a second to write them down, but we're going to open them up, each one individually. God richly blesses us because of his unconditional love. The whole reason he's blessing us, the whole reason he has blessed us to this point, the whole reason he showers his blessings upon us on a daily basis is because of his unconditional love. And there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about how he loves us. There's nothing we can do to make him love us any more, and there's nothing we can do to make him love us any less. And this love that God has given to us is not limited to just a certain amount of people. It's not just limited to the Baptists or to the Presbyterian or to, to any of those other denominations. It's, it's for all people, amen? He poured it out for all people. Jesus Christ went to the cross for what? All people, not just for a select group of people, for all people. We tend many times to ask God what he can do for us. That's called intercessory prayer. There's nothing wrong with intercessory prayer. We pray uh, before we start our, our studies this morning, we prayed an intercessory prayer for someone because we wanted God to intervene in their life. And typically, we've, uh, if you were with me three or four weeks ago, we went through John 17 talking about how Jesus prayed for himself then how he prayed for other people and how that's important. But we typically ask God what he can do for us, a lot of times how he can help us. But we always need to be mindful and always need to remember and be thankful for what God has already done for each of us. Amen? we got to remember those things. We need to thank God on a daily basis for the blessings that he has given us because he has not just blessed us. He has richly blessed us. He has blessed us beyond measure, beyond anything we can think. He's richly blessed us. He has blessed us beyond anything that we deserve. Amen? 
By sending his own son to the cross for us, he gave us a blessing that we didn't even deserve that blessing. It's way beyond anything that we deserve. He, it, and here's the thing. A significant blessing that God has given us is the fact that he desires that not one person should perish. Isn't that amazing? God has a desire that not one single person should perish and spend eternity separated from him. That's his desire, and that's what the Bible says. It's his desire that all people have a relationship with him, all people have an intimate relationship with him, and that all people spend eternity with him in heaven. That's his desire. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People make their own choice, and that's where they're spent separated from God. He doesn't send them there. Listen to this. God chose us. And here's one that's so important to me. And I've, 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 I've listened to this and listened to this verse of Scripture for many, many years because he chose me. And let's look at this together. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That's Jesus talking about. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce fruit and for that fruit to remain. One of the most important blessings that God has ever given us is the fact that he chose us. Now, I know that we, he gives us free will, and we have to choose his son as our personal Lord and Savior. But before that ever took place, God chose us. He chose us to be with him. Think, think about it. Think about the importance of that. Think about, think about the importance of being chosen. Let me just think. Let's just back up just a minute. This is one of the things that, Daniel, you might can help me out with this. When I was a young individual, how many years ago was that? Okay, let's go back when I was in school, like middle school, high school. So you think about it. You're in PE. Did you ever have PE? All right, so you're in PE, and there's going to be there's a bunch of people in PE. We're going to divide up into two teams, right? And we're going to compete, whether it's softball or volleyball, whatever it is. We're going to compete. So the teacher he selects what two people who are always always the what the best what the best athletes. They're going to be the captains, and now they're going to choose who's going to be on their team, right? So they step out. Everybody else lines up. I'm in that line. So where do you think I was chosen at in that line? On in. I thought I was a better athlete than I was. You think about it, They start choosing people to be on their team. They usually choose their best friends first or the athletes because they want to stack the team, so to speak. We still do that in competitors, don't we? Want to stack the team? huh? But, they, but being chosen, you know, you think about when you're chosen, how you feel. You know, you're chosen further up the line or down the line, how you feel. But God chose us, all right? He chose us. God did not choose us based on our abilities to play a game. He didn't choose us based on anything that we could provide, anything that we had to offer. He didn't choose us for that. He chose us strictly based on the value that we are. Amen? On our value. He looks inside of us to see what we are worth, and he knew what we were worth because he created us. But he chooses us based on our value. What this means is that we can always keep our ears open. We should always be listening for him. We should always have our hearts open. We should always have our eyes focused on him. We should always want to hear from us. He chose us for a specific purpose, and that purpose, it says in that scripture, is to produce fruit so the fruit will remain. To produce fruit. When producing fruit comes from sharing the gospel. It comes from sharing God's unconditional love. That's what he's talking about. The Bible says that the lost sinner left on his own ways cannot seek God. A lost sinner cannot seek God. He doesn't know God. He doesn't understand God. He doesn't on his own. He'll never find God. Let me tell you something. What were we given a charge to do? To share the gospel. And we were charged to share the gospel because lost people will not see God unless we show him to him. 
unless we reveal him to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Romans 3.11. There is no one who understands. That's what Paul's saying. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. God seeks us. He chooses. He seeks us, and that's what he wants. Prior to the beginning, uh, to beginning as a believer, sin is in control. Remember, before the person becomes a believer, sin is in control. Satan is in control. Sin controls the life. Satan tries to control the heart and the mind. He shields the mind. He, he shields it so you can't see what, what God wants you to see. No sinner left on his own can seek God. That's what the Scripture says. And here we go. But God. Those are two impressive words to me. Anytime you see that, you see, but God. Now, God is an impressive word on its own. But when you see the phrase in front of it, it says, but God, what that means is no matter what has taken place, no matter how bad things are, no matter what's going on, but God can take care of it. But God can change it. We see it, but God in his unconditional love for his creation seeks out lost people. He seeks out all people. Luke 19.10 says this. Say it with me. For the Son of Man has come to what? Seek and save that which was lost. Amen? That's a good place to say amen. Let's try it together. Amen. I like it. Bible says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. That's what the scripture says. He chose us. You think about it. Jesus, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit, he chose us. Before he ever created this world, before he ever created us, before he, he knew what the plan was going to be, he knew what was going to take place, and he chose us, the Bible says, before the foundations of the world, even before he created the universe, so that salvation would be strictly based on his grace and his mercy and nothing that we could do to change it, nothing that we could do to provide for it, on, nothing on our own. Let me expand on that. Let me give you a little bit further. Let me expand on some reasons that God chose us. And these are some things that he chose us. And we've been over these multiple times. Well, let's look at this. He chose us to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. He chose us to have fellowship with him. He chose us to have fellowship with other people. He chose us, the Bible says, to be holy and without blame. He chose us to have a relationship with his son. He chose us to tell people about his unconditional love. He chose us to share the gospel so that people would come to know him and have a relationship with him. He chose us to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's just a few. You think about it. He chose us for a lot of different reasons, but that was it, so that we would have fellowship with him. That was number one. Let's go to number two. He predestined us to be adopted into the family of, of his family. He predestined us. You think about, well, now he's going to talk about predestination and what happens with predestination. But let me tell you something. Predestination only pertains to the believer. We're, once we become a born-again believer, we are predestined to spend eternity with him in heaven. It has to do with the believer. It has to do with God's pre people. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught that people are predestined to go to hell. He didn't predestine anyone to go to hell. When we become a born-again believer, we are predestined to be adopted into the family of God. That's what the Scripture says. And it goes further to say it assures us of our inheritance that he promises us. And when you think about inheritance, inheritance is something that is given to you. You don't have to work for it. It's something that's given to you. He promises inheritance. We become immediately eligible of the inheritance to be spent eternity with him in heaven when we become children of God through born again. When we become 
followers of Jesus Christ. We become immediately eligible. There's nothing else we have to do to gain our inheritance, and that inheritance is eternal life in heaven. Now, just look a little bit further. Inheritance comes from salvation. It comes from salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Number three, he redeemed us through the blood of Christ. We know that. To redeem something means to, to purchase something and then to turn around and set it free. That's what it means to redeem it. When you redeem something, you purchase it, and then you turn around and pay the price to set it free. Now, let's look in history. If we go back and look in history, history teaches us that millions of slaves were bought and purchased in the Roman Empire. That millions of them were there. And many times, slaves were bought and sold just like a piece of furniture. I mean, they were bought and sold over and over and over, and they had to move on from different times. A man could purchase a slave, and ultimately, he could, in turn, set that slave free. And you think about it, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He purchased us, and then he turned around and set us free. And that's what he, exactly what he did. He paid the price with his own blood, the shed blood on the cross, and he turned around and set us free. That means that we are free from the slavery of sin, we're free from the power of Satan, and we're free from the power of sin in this world. We don't have to conform to this world. We don't have to, to do the things that the world wants us to do because we don't, are not controlled by it anymore. Jesus Christ bought us. He bought us with a price, and then he turned around and he set us free. Number four, God revealed his will to us, and that's something that's very important. We want to see God's will. There's a mystery involved in knowing God's will. There's a mystery involved in, in the knowing God, and, and lost people do not know the mystery. The word mystery has nothing to do with things that are strange or weird. That's not what it talks about in this passage of Scripture. It simply means a sacred moment that was once hidden that is now revealed. When you become a believer, there's things that you know that you didn't know. It's hidden from you before you become a believer, and once you become a believer, then it's revealed to you. Now let's look at something very important. When you get close to people, when you get close to someone and you become part of their inner circle and you become tight in that tight group and inner circle, you share things together that you wouldn't normally share with the, the general population, right? You get things, you talk about things amongst each other, you, you share things amongst each other, you pray for each other, you lift each other up, you confide in each other. That is exactly what happens when you become a believer. You become close to the, to the Father. You get inside of his inner circle. When you come inside of his inner circle in that tight-knit circle that he has with his children, he shares things with you. And that's why we want to keep our ears open and, and listen for him because he shares things with us on the inner circle. We're able to share the secret that Jesus has given us that one day he's going to return. One day he's going to return and he's going to take his church to himself. He's going to bring us back to himself and, and he's going to unite everything through Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's one of the important things in this passage. When Christ returns, he's going to unite everything. God's going to unite everything in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Ever since sin entered the world, things have been falling apart. Would you all agree with that? Man, it's been falling apart. Let's look at a few things. First, man was separated from God, Genesis 3. Then man was separated from man when Cain killed Abel in Genesis 4. Sin has distorted everything. It's been tearing everything apart since the beginning of humanity, and it is no different today. I mean, you can say we're living in end times, but you can look all the way back. End times have been taking place for a long time. 
It's been going on for a long time. Look at our, our world is full of division. It's full of turmoil. There's a misunderstanding in our world today about the difference in the understanding of what is right and what is wrong. But the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, God will gather together in the accumulation of ages. And church, let me tell you something. We are part of that great eternal program. He's going to bring it all together in the end. Number five, and this will finish us up. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And that's important. When you, time you're sealed with something, you think about it. Let's look at a few things. What is the significance of being sealed by the Holy Spirit? Because that's what happens when we become believers and children of God. For one thing, it speaks of the finished transaction that's taken place between God and the, the, his children. When an important legal document is prepared and processed, once it's finished, what do they do to it? What do they do to it? It's stamped with an official seal to signify the completion and the transaction has taken place. When you have somebody to notarize something, that a legal document, you sign it, the last thing that they do is what? They stamp it with a seal. They put a seal on it that validates it to make sure that it's valid. God has put his stamp and seal on us. That means we're finished. The born-again believers are finished because he has purchased each one of us with the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing else has to be done. No other sacrifice has to take place. But there is more to the seal through the Holy Spirit. Let's look a little bit further. God's seal indicates security and protection. The believer is part of the family of God, and you are now protected by him. You're protected from Satan. You're protected from sin. We are safe, and we're in his arms. We are part of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit abides in the believer forever. Man, he comes inside of us from the moment you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. Jesus put verse 13 back up one more time. Let's look at verse 13 again. This is what takes place in salvation. When you look at salvation, verse 13 sums it up. When you want to know what it means in salvation, it reveals that the entire process that takes place. So we want to make sure we pay special attention to this verse of Scripture because it tells us how a sinner becomes a saint. Let's look at it together. Verse 13 first. He or she hears the gospel of salvation. They're not going to hear it if you don't tell them. They're not going to hear it if we don't spread the word. They're not going to hear it if somebody don't step out of their comfort zone and tell them about Jesus Christ. First, the sinner hears the, the gospel of salvation. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he paid the price on the cross, that he shed his blood on the cross, that he was separated from God for a period of time on the cross because of his love for us, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Because he wasn't planning on staying there very long. He didn't need his own tomb. He wanted to borrow a tomb because he wasn't going to be there long. And on the third day, what happened? God what? He raised him from the dead. Amen. That's the gospel. Believers have to hear that first. And then they have to believe in his faith and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then they become a born-again believer. And then what happens? They're changed into something they weren't before. I mean, God does a radical change in their life. They become servants of the Lord, and then they produce fruit that's pleasing to the Father. Let's look at hands down, placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and becoming a child of God and be adopted in his family makes us a winner in the game of life. Amen? That's what it means to be a winner. But it doesn't stop there. We also want to be soul winners for Christ. You say, well, how am I going to be a, a soul winner? Because I, 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 how do I control that? How would I do to, to act in that? We want to be soul winners for Christ. A soul winner is someone who simply announces the truth of the gospel, invites men and women to trust in Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. Amen? I mean, all you got to do is step out of that comfort zone, 
share it with them. If you can't share that any more than that, just tell them what God's done to change your life. Man, has he changed your life? If he haven't changed your life, we might need to go back to, 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 to the first part of this and talk about it again. Because if he's come into your life and he's made you a child, he's changed you. Amen? Amen. We talk about God every week. We talk about his unconditional love and how much he loves us. And there's, there's no way to measure it. Man, he loves us beyond measure. There's nothing he, we can do to make him love us anymore. John 3.16 shows us the promise of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, should not perish, will not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, just the gift of God. Man, we're all born sinners. No way around it. Nobody in this planet was ever born not a sinner other than Jesus Christ. We're all born from sinful nature. We all have to deal with sin. We become born again believers. We still have to deal with it because we live in a sinful world. But God, in his loving grace, he says that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But sin keeps a separation between us and God. But God solved that problem. Now, he knew before the beginning of time there was going to be a problem, and he had the plan set up that he would solve the problem well before we were ever created, well before this universe was created. He gave us Jesus Christ to provide us salvation and to provide us with eternal life. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. doesn't leave anybody out. Anybody that, that wants to become a believer can become a believer. God forgives everybody. If you... Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is just. He says he'll come to you. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And then, friends, I tell you every week, because it's an urgent issue. When we die, and, and, and it's inevitable that we will die, and we'll leave this planet. Some people leave sooner than others. Some people leave later than others. But at some point, we're going to leave this planet. And we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're either going to be eternally separated from God, or we're going to be eternally living with him and have eternal life in heaven. And the choice we make on this planet determines where we spend eternity. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, that's the best news ever. God was so simple with it. He made it, he, he made it so we could understand it. And basically said, hey, if you, if you place your trust in my son, you'll spend eternity with me in heaven. All you got to do is confess him. And live for him after that. And I'll do the rest. Maybe this, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I urge you to clear that up today. In a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And if you don't know Jesus the way I'm talking about him. If you don't know him. You don't have that personal relationship with him. Don't leave this building without changing that this morning. Because that is so important. Maybe there's others here that, that, that have other issues. Other needs. Other requests. Maybe you want to br- come to the altar and lay something at the the foot of the cross. The cross is always open. It's always, it never closes. God's always there to hear you. If you come to the altar, that's fine. I have deacons will love to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Whatever this, the need is, you just bring it to the to the cross. Maybe maybe you want to join Pine Hill. Maybe it's been a, something on your heart for a long time. Maybe you've been looking for a home. This is a great place to call home. And I'd love to have you join up with us because we'll put you to work. Whatever the decision, whatever the need, in a moment we'll have that invitation. But that's just a time of reflection with you and the Holy Spirit and the Father through a vertical relationship. Whatever the issue, whatever the need, let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Father God, I just come before you this morning. God, I just thank you for the truth that's in your word. 
And thank you for loving us. God, just thank you for choosing us. God, thank you for not uh, casting us aside because of a sinful nature that we inherited. And God, just because we're sinful people. But God, because you loved us enough that you want us to spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, Father, whatever the decisions, whatever the needs, I just ask that you would bless in this time of invitation. Let the Holy Spirit have his way with us, and God, that you would move as as need to be moved. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.